Gamf, I need somebody. Gamf, not just anybody. Gamf, the tea is silent. Gamf. Right, how do you want to do this, sir? Um, I was thinking maybe we could do Wonder Woman talk first and then move on to Adam Curtis after that. Just start with the light and maybe move on to the more philosophical. Okay, right. So we do, uh, should we do a little introduction? Why not? Say yeah, who sure. you are. Why not? Yeah. Sure. I'm uh, G3, Gerard Howells. Uh, I've, I've been, yeah, yeah we're, we're friends. I don't know. No, you put me on the spot and I don't know what to say. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I'm a mainframe guy in Utah, but also interested in music and film and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, so that's I suppose that's the 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 first thing to say is the yeah. excuse for doing this is that you're four thousand miles away from me, and although we text most days, we don't actually speak much yeah. anymore, and that's like the whole well, it's in the title. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, um, the the excuse for doing this is so we can actually have a conversation about things, and so the chances are this will wander very wildly off piste very often. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. But whatever the the episode description said, if there is one, um, is what we're generally talking about, and then it'll go wild from there. I've just spilt water on the table, which is why I'm looking down here and doing this. Oh, good job. Because I don't have a coaster. <laughs> Curse you, lack of coaster! Um, um, yeah, so coaster. G3 is in Utah with his coaster. Uh, thank you. And uh, I'm, in, I'm in England. Um, but weirdly, when, the, when I logged the laptop, because I'm now on the laptop rather than the main computer, um, uh-huh. on, onto FaceTime. It sent me a message saying, uh, your uh, FaceTime account is being used on a Mac near London. Worcester's not that near London. It's Yeah, it's like a hundred But from Cupertino's perspective, you yeah, know? I mean, it's, it's like, <laughs> Everything's near London. Yeah, it depends how you judge it, but that made me laugh just to... Just to see that pop up, it's like, well, good, good. It's, it's good that... Uh, yeah, well, it's good well, that well they done. Um, yeah, so I'm in the UK. He's in the US. Yep. We're talking. Today, we will be talking about um, Wonder Woman and uh, the film Wonder Woman. And um, yes. the uh, just a general conversation we wanted to have about uh, Adam Buxton's podcast with Adam Curtis. Any other pleasantries or should we jump into Wonder Woman? Have, uh, well, do you want to just do, like, let's create a segment. What's What's been happening with you this week? Oh, okay, sure, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, not a great deal. It's the, the weather was kind of strange, so I, uh, I I was I got a motorcycle last year and and then decided to ride it this summer. And uh, on Tuesday, on Tuesday, it got down to like forty degrees, whatever that is in Celsius. I'm fully Americanized now. Um, I was taught it to I, to get from C to F was to double it and add ten. So would it so be divide take it off ten two and take off uh, seven you'd still add 10 wouldn't you and divide it by two yeah let's say that yes yeah that would make sense so it would be no that doesn't make sense at all because that would mean that it was like 30 degrees (laughs) (laughs) anyway it was it was cold and rainy so i I, I chickened out and 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 drove and then uh, other than that just it was it was kind of windy so i had some some shingles blow up on my roof so i had to not like but you know literally um I'm, I'm realizing there might not be much of a d- distinction between those two things that I just did. <laughs> the uh, the the hand motions are beautiful for radio. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, to repair those and then uh, just week of work, really. How about how about you? Uh, went to the Hans Zimmer thing on Thursday night, which was oh, pretty yeah. cool in uh, Wembley at Wembley. Um, how many people did they pack into that? It's got a capacity of 12,500, I read, because we were sat in there mm. before it started trying to figure out how many people were in there versus like the O2 or whatever. 
And um, yeah, 12,500 capacity. I would say it was, for a gig layout, I would say it was pretty much at capacity. I couldn't cool. see many empty seats. So I would, yeah, at least 12,000, I would say. By gig layout, they did, they did that thing where they put the stage at one end and then rope off half the seats. And then it's, so it's just, it's not completely surrounded by seats. It's just all at one end. Yes. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, which nice. I should think is the standard layout for that uh, building. What was, yeah, most of its gigs. Um, yeah, yes. Uh, for a sporting venue, I imagine, yeah, more of their more of the venues. Oh, no, it's like, the like arena, not the stadium. Oh, oh, okay. Gotcha. I think the arena holds like 70,000. Oh, wow. Because it's, it's maxi big, you know, so. Maxi big applause. <laughs> I didn't. Oh, I, I no. honestly didn't know that. We're already into the episode one references. <laughs> <laughs> How long this happened? Oh dear. The, okay, let's just cue them in that we have a, a great sort of what would be called post-ironic now love for um, episode one, and it was yes. one of the th- first things we bonded on over ten years ago. So it, it will get referenced every now and again. The weird thing is that movie was only like three years old when we started bonding over it. So yeah, now it's, it's now post-ironic. It might not be. Years. I don't know. Well, yeah. I, the thing is, I hated it because I worked the bloody thing when I was You did, cinema. that's true. And, and I was, well, it came out in 99, right? Yeah. So I was 15 when it came out. So I was like, the Star Wars. And then I went and I was like, ah. Yeah, so I, I probably saw that thing 50 plus times in the cinema. And ah. then we went to see it again when they released it in 3D. So, yeah. So at some point you have to say the post-ironic, unironic like it's just we just enjoy it for what it is at this point i suppose exactly and if if that ends you listening to this now that's fine you're probably saving yourself a lot of uh, episode one references anyway (laughs) yeah so i went to that uh uh, was a class act i can just say everyone should go and see that show i already told you if he if he comes past you to to do it oh definitely what was like the big the big kind of like he's playing it kind of and I know it's not him, but you know it's it's it was an orchestra I'd imagine. Oh it, but... yeah, he's got a full orchestra. Um what's, uh, the, what's his big nut as far as you know a a, a movie soundtrack it, goes it that's recognizable? It... Like John Williams, you know, Star Wars would start up or or Superman or something, but because didn't he do, didn't Zimmer do a, a couple of um Star Treks? No, no, he did none. No. None of. I don't think he's done a Star Trek or anything. He's. Uh, he, did, he did. Um, like Inception and the Batman, the Chris Nolan Batman's. Um, gotcha. He did. He did one of the Pirates of the Caribbean, but I don't think the first one. So technically, no, his use yes, of that. The first is, one's a John Williams, I think. Was it? it? I thought it was Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah. One of those like long time ago. Yeah. Anyway, like the generation beforehand. Sure. Um, but yeah, he ended the first act on. Um, on the on the an absolute barnstorming version of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean theme from cool. whichever one he did, I think yeah, and they had this this uh, this this you know uh, lady down the front on a on a on a, a cello doing it, and just she was just oh, going fun. for it, absolutely crazy. That sounds great. He's done a, a record of her own that I'm, I'm going to have give it a look on Apple Music if it's on there. Um, of uh, I think she's done video game. Uh, oh, music cool. on a cello, Tina. I'm going to say Tina Gao, but it might be Tina Jow. I don't. I don't really know. Okay. But she was going for it, and cool. uh, yeah, I thought that was crazy. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, he did like Thelma and Louise. He did um, Driving Miss Daisy, which he opened on. Oh. Um, he did um, uh, the Plinky Plonky one from. Um, Tarantino film that's really annoying me. That country romance. It's not a Tarantino film. It's a Tony Scott film, but Tarantino um, script. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, which was it's a beautiful track, and 
he played that one. He did Inception. He did uh, he did one from uh, um, Rain Man as well with a with a guy because oh. it's really like crazy like eighties guitar stuff and he had some guy down the front like doing all that, nice which was um, really sweet. Uh, Crimson Tide like there's a lot of like ones that are kind of forgotten to time. They're not really you know they're not played on TV anymore. And people don't really sure. like love them I suppose. But every every version he but they're did, really he, good. They they are really good, and um and everything unannounced or announced every, someone in the room seemed to know each one of them if that makes sense so cool so that was good and and the best thing about it was well actually the uh, performance wise the best thing was this he did a did that that one from the man of steel film that i don't like but i really like that piece of music and he did that piece of music and he he segued that into a really kind of 70s funk inspired version of the wonder woman one Oh, like fun. The, the, the current one. So a little, there was a little chunk of uh, the new DC stuff. Uh-huh. And did um, he do? Did he do the 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 the, sound, the, the score for the current one then? No, no, he did the Batman vs Superman one. Gotcha. Okay. So it, the, the 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 Wonder Woman theme is is in the uh, the Wonder Woman film, obviously, and it's in the trailer and everything. But it comes from him and Junkie XL did the score for um, Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice. Gotcha. Horrible title. Yeah, I still haven't seen it. Um, I can't say you shouldn't because there's bits of it I really like, but okay. it it comes loaded with, and this is probably a good precursor to the Wonder Woman review. Um, it comes loaded with you know thirty odd years of being a Batman fan, sure. and having issues with every version of Batman on film. Right. And this one, um, I didn't have those issues as much because it only had to be as good as Man of as Man of Steel was, and I didn't like Man of Steel. So I okay. was already kind of low bar, quasi writing off this era of, of those films. Whereas, gotcha. like, you know, the '89 one, I was just like dying to see. You know, as a kid. Yeah. And then you know, and then of course, you know, you you love the Schumacher stuff, of course. Who doesn't? I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh. bat, bat credit card, bat nipples. I mean, all that stuff. It's but yeah. So so, and then obviously Chris Nolan ones. I I, I respect a lot. Uh, um, by the third one, I really like them. But I, it still wasn't exactly what I would do with it, you know. Sure. And uh, and that that's you know that's my little like nerd fanboy. I would make it different. But also coming from being an active filmmaker and wanting to do things slightly differently. So like n- none of them sure. have been my take, and I accept that now, and that's fine. Uh, I was I wasn't a particular fan, but I mean that's because may, may he rest in peace. Recently departed Adam West was my first exposure to Batman, right. and it's always been a casual interest. Unlike you, who have a genuine interest in, in Batman, it's always been kind of like, oh, I'll go and see it. And then mm-hmm. I was the perfect age for the the much derided Batman and Robin and um, Batman Forever. I, I thought I, I I loved those because that was the perfect age for them. You know, like. 12 or whatever when they came out yeah i remember i went to see forever and i was i was you know i was with it i was like yeah you know that's jim carrey's the middle that's that's all right tommy tommy lee jones re- replacing lando carizian as as two that's fine i'm sure that'll work it's, it's okay we got a robin that's whatever and then yeah even at whatever age i was when that came out let's say i was 15 or something um just thinking like no nah, this no yeah so dawn of justice yeah it, it's got good bits in it and one of the best bits about it was wonder woman so shall we yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I will let you start. What did you think of Wonder Woman, sir? I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't. I, I, I was kind of a little bit skeptical from the trailer. I remember seeing the. Tra- it was trailed quite early on here, probably maybe tail end of last year was when the first teaser 
Yeah, I, I saw the first here. teaser in 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 the, in the in the cinema, and I was just like, oh, it's more kind of, and and probably not getting too far into it, but the the bits that I didn't love were the bits on the island, which has a name which I can't remember. Um, Themyscira. 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 Exactly. I I I used to say it one way. I I, I again just to interject. I'm the longtime comic book fan. Gerard is. I'm not. I, I don't dislike them, but I just never. You've never. You never got the bug with it, did you? No. You never really read anything. No. So this is two very different opinions. I was never the biggest Wonder Woman reader, but I've read enough, and I know the way I pronounced it for many years was wrong, and I've only recently learned that. <laughs> so the right way. <laughs> if I get it wrong at any point, don't hold me to it. That's the way I've been saying. But Themyscira is, is what they. I think Themyscira is what they say in the film, and I, I think said. You're right. Something else. The Miscura. The like Miscura. The Miscura. <laughs> no, I think I just yeah. added the loaded letters that aren't in there. But that that stuff was kind of the stuff that was least appealing to me, just from a, I don't know, a, a visual and 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 just just it, it had a whiff of the Hercules slash Xena Warrior Princess to me. Okay. Um, See, that's what it, I loved it, about it because I was so pumped for that stuff. Which is fine, you know, and, and some of it was good. And I thought the little girl who played the the young Diane, I thought she was she did a fantastic job. And I, I love all, act- <laughs> all the actresses in 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 the you know the, the way they portray. It's great. It's just mm. uh, yeah, that was kind of the stuff. I was like, okay, spin on. Let's get to um, you know Kirk falling out of the sky. Um, <laughs> wow, you're calling him Kirk. You're the Star Trek <laughs> fan in this, by the way. Just so people yeah, know. Um, uh, and 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 to to. to Put my nail my colors to the wall. I I enjoy the the JJ Trek, but it's not real Star Trek. It's non-canon alternate timeline, and which is why Discovery, which is that new show that's coming out this year, I think, is um yeah end of the is year is actually yeah. part of uh, Shatner Kirk era rather than Chris Pine Kirk era. But it looks so much like the movies. <laughs> yeah, and they're doing that to, clearly to appeal to the fans that they've made with the JJ movies. Um, but, I think there uh, are many fans just of the JJ movies, or is this a topic you know, for another I've, time? I've, I've, <laughs> well, uh, uh, off piece. Uh, I've 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 wandered yeah. into a, a few few people who've like, yeah, I really like Star Trek, and I've been like, oh, me too. What's your favorite? And they're like, uh, Into Darkness. I'm like, <laughs> oh, but yeah. So, so uh, yeah, going back to, to Wonder Woman, I really enjoyed it as a whole. But the stuff that I enjoyed most was was post kind of origin story, I suppose. But I thought it was great. It made me well up, and you know. Where did you well up in it? Because it it got me in two different oh, places and two different screenings. Like right near the end. Okay. Um, and after the first the first battle on the beach, when her aunt still in Thermopylae, yeah. Thermopylae. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know. Um, yeah. Why not? Yeah, that's because the, th- the third time round when I saw it in uh, IMAX yesterday um, mm-hmm. for this, um, yeah, when when um, when uh, Princess Buttercup gets it on the on the beach, she is Princess Buttercup from Princess Bride. Um, is she? Yeah, that's Robin. Hood. I had no idea. Oh my goodness, that's funny. Oh, is that why they're doing mashups? Like I said, I saw a cartoon today of of Wonder Woman holding uh, Carrie Elwes. Right. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Okay. All right. That makes sense now. Um, like, why are they mashing up the Princess Bride and Wonder Woman? I like it, but I don't understand it. But now I do. Okay. Um, yeah, when she gets caught, I, I, it, was, it was when her, um, like, second-in-command slash 
uh, lover. I, I don't know. I, I'm assuming there's a... There's, there's an implication there. There's, yeah, I would say so. Um, when she runs in and screams no, that was the bit that was like, oh, there's, there's quite a lot of like love in that performance. And just... Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say everything that happens on Themyscira, I, I really liked. I could have taken a whole film of that, to be honest. Oh, wow. I know okay. you were kind of like, get them off! And I, but I just, I just loved it. And it's, it's such a shame in the way that there are, in theory, no adventures that happen for Diana from training to leaving. Right. So you couldn't, you couldn't do much more there unless you'd, you'd take her back to pre, not pre-powers, but pre-like... Awakening. Yeah, pre, like before that moment where she's like, and, you know... Sure. Yeah, for the first time and blows her, uh, her aunt back. You know, onto yeah. the, onto the, the the training field or battlefield or whatever. Uh, you're right. You can't kind of do any external threat, at least, or anything mysterious coming from outside outside the Themyscira world, because when Chris Pine falls from the sky, that is her first uh, you know encounter with any any well man or any, anyone who isn't part of the Amazonian select who are on that island you know yeah and it wasn't that i didn't didn't like the contents of it i think it was it was a visual style thing really just kind of like oh yeah that's fair but i know i really enjoyed all the all the the you know all the amazons and the themiscura stuff and in the comics it's also known as paradise island so if you want to call it paradise island that's okay. fine um which was a joke they did in it when chris pine couldn't pronounce themiscura when they're in that town in on the border oh um, yeah and they're all celebrating because there's a you know that moment after the the first after the church falls and they got yeah. the sniper and everything yeah and he kind of does this like so you know do, you don't have dancing back on then there's a gap where he's like and he goes paradise island oh and, nice and i thought it was nicely done actually it's a nice little that's nice little soft nod to, to people who know it yeah that's mm. pretty cool sweet but, but i thought like the whole fish out of water stuff that they did at, uh, after they got off the island and they're in london and she's you know the bit they use in the trailer where she's carrying the sword and, and shield around trying to go through a revolving door and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was that was kind of fun runaround comedy and, and the fact that she doesn't understand society and society doesn't understand her. Um, didn't call... Spoiler. Didn't call... Um, yeah, this whole uh, fucking thing is spoilers. Too. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, so. what, what's his name? Da- David Thewlis, is that his name? Lupin yeah. from the, the Harry Potter films being uh, the bad guy. I, uh, I did. I was pr- no. I was pretty convinced that it was going to be plastic face doctor was going to be the was uh, she was okay. the one who was like inhabited by um, Aries. Aries. Yeah, that was that was that was who I, I thought it was going to be. Like she was going to take pity on her and see the good in her, and then all of a sudden, you know, she's going to turn around and have a crooked like half smile on her face yeah. and 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 glowy eyes or something. I don't know. Like yeah. So the, I yeah I enjoyed that middle section as well. Um, yeah. Like the there's there's a lot of kind of pleasant like comedy to it and um the lady from the office is at candy's kind of cool. Um there's a few little jump arounds in that that, that are indicative she's of problems assi- that happen later on. She's the assistant. Yeah. Okay. She was she was a fun character. Yeah. Kind yeah. of a nice light kind of relief type character. That whole section really reminded me of um uh, Fantastic Beasts. Just oh, okay, the style fair. of it. And and she was the Josh Gad in that situation, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought she was good. There was a bit in the trying on sequence where she kind of goes, uh, where uh, Diana goes, "Oh, it's strangling me about one of the costumes," and she she says, um, oh, "I can, you know, I can kind of see its point," and um, and that comes after only like two outfits. Yeah, and I kind of felt like, yeah, you've not 
got to that point where she should be frustrated yet, and that like that was the first tiny inkling of a of a, a, a sort of problem that becomes a thing later on. It does have that third act wobble that's a bit of a problem. Yeah. Um, but I loved all the the the, the essentially the the not naivety of it, but the 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 sort of confident uh, positivity of it that yeah. runs that runs through it. Basically, you know. Um, on Themyscira in London and then into at least the f- first chunk of uh, the war, you know, mm-hmm. and then, and then it, then, you know, yeah. I don't know how to dive into that. Do you want to, do you want to dive into the ending of it or, or do you want to? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, no, no, no I, I quite, I thought the transition between that, that middle section that you talk about in London, where they where they're kind of getting ready and and going into the war zone, where they're where they're actively looking for well, at least um, Diana's actively looking looking for Ares was 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 quite well handled. It didn't feel like you know TV movie fade to black, fade up. Now we're in a new uh, you know scene transition. We're in a new a new phase of the film. It felt like it was quite seamlessly done. Yeah, and. Like the the whole campfire thing with those those wacky characters didn't particularly care for the performance of whoever played the the crazy Scottish sniper. Oh really, um, Spud from Transpoing? No, you and Bremen? Too, Bremen? too much, too much. Really, I um, thought he was. I thought he was perfect. It was the silly faces that got me. The silly well, faces yeah, the, I, I, with the one big eye and stuff. Yeah. You know all this kind of gurning and stuff. It just it took me out of it a little bit. I was just okay. like, ah, oh, I can, I can, I can. I, and it's a it's a complaint that I have. With with several people, I could kind of see him acting. I felt uh, it's 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 a reference that they're not the, the same film again. It's the same with Eddie, Eddie Redmayne in certain circumstances. His style isn't especially naturalistic. I can kind of almost see the thought process of like, okay. oh, I've got to do this, and that's his voice. Um, that is but I, a good I impression of his voice. Felt like, <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, but like with the, with Spud from Train Spotting, I just felt like like oh, make a silly face is what I was seeing, and I was like, okay. Oh. Just a bit too much. See, he's, he's, his character came through, you know. Yeah. Uh, when you figured out that he was a tortured soul, that made it a little bit better. But at the start, when they met him, I was like, oh, I don't like you. Oh, you didn't. When he was getting himself intentionally beaten up in the bar, you didn't get that he might be a tortured character. No, <laughs> good point. <laughs> I, Maybe I just missed it. I kind of felt like I knew exactly who he was from the moment you see him get punched in the face. And. Gotcha. Um, yeah, maybe, so, maybe I just missed it. Maybe I, I need. To, I've only seen it once uh, compared to your three times, but maybe I well, the first one. I, I should say the the reason I don't think I saw the Thewlis turn coming was I was quite drunk and and, and oh. I probably had about thirty micro naps in the midnight screening I went to, only for like uh, a couple of seconds. And um, uh, I'd been uh, shooting photos for an event, and then we'd we'd gone out afterwards, and then we went to the midnight screening. And so it'd been a very long day. I'd been very busy, and uh, we had these super reclining chairs in that screen. Oh, those are the best! And, uh, and they did weirdly go flat. Why would it, why would they go flat? You, you've got to watch the film. Why would they go? Flat? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I was I was leaning back and, and micro napping through the midnight because I'd been up since six a.m. or whatever. But um, yeah. yeah, I came out of that feeling it was strong, but I knew I had to go and see it again. And then so the, the second screening, I knew what I was getting. So I I probably would have seen it structure wise coming a bit quicker because it's yeah. David Thewlis, you know. But um I thought he played the doddery British minister very well. And he did. um and I, I to be honest, the first time around I just thought it was because everything about it seemed so unapologetically on rails almost. Like it's it's okay, we're doing our 
version of the origin story tale. So it's a very simple, very pared back, which is for the DC ones of this run is is great because Man of Steel was overloaded, Batman vs mm-hmm. Superman was a hundred percent overloaded, and Suicide, yeah. Squad, Suicide Squad was just it's a horrible mess. And um, you know, take it back and do very simple a retelling of of not retelling, but a very simple kind of origin of a character like this was exactly the right thing to do with it and i think mm-hmm. also because they kind of kept it like low-key and very not very simple but very uh easy going i think it really played to its credit um yeah and because of that the the and, and actually i tell you something they did and i don't know whether you got this but the did you get a kind of uh superman chris reeve superman vibe from it like that kind of hopefulness hmm. and and it felt kind of older school than it is yeah yeah in terms of tone i, I can definitely see that i haven't thought about that until you mentioned it but I, I can i can see that there there was kind of if there was a, an action to do it'd be like kind of like staring into the sky off into the middle distance sort yeah. of feel to it and, and uh, yeah and, and kind of an optimistic feel and that's been the problem with a lot of those dc films for me is is that they're just so dour and drab and cynical and sad you know that there's just there's there's no kind of hopefulness in them which is i think where marvel has had them to this point in it with with something like avengers or more recently guardians of the galaxy there's 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 a bit of lightness in there that, yeah. that relieves that tension and that um you know the the feeling of of doom and gloom uh and i think i think this universe needs it and will benefit from it I wonder um, whether this is okay. Let's get into my. There'll be a lot of this as as time goes on, like film school bullshit. Like I love it. the film becomes a descent into darkness. So I yeah. wonder if it's the beginning. Like if this film was plucked out and put in sequence, like temporal sequence, assuming they don't flashback uh-huh. it any further, it should be the first film you watch. Sure. So yeah. Start kind on, of like um, Captain America. Yes. Well, I mean, and the, 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 a lot of people have done the comparisons to Captain America. I think a lot of people have done the comparisons to Chris Reeve Superman as well. But the, uh, so you start on bright, lovely, colourful Themyscira. You go to London, it's a step down in colour. Mm-hmm. You go to the war and it's just utter darkness. Yeah. And, um, for the most part. And, uh, or certainly the ending. And, um, yeah. and I wonder if that's then, okay, so that's, that leads you into the look and feel of Man of Steel and 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 uh, BVS and stuff like that. So because those are films are sure. dark, drab, and then I wonder if like and this is probably overthinking it, but whether you then you get Justice League next, I think, and then Aquaman after that, and then I don't know where they're going to go from that because they haven't started making any of the rest of them. Um, but whether you kind of slowly nudge it back towards the light, and I kind of have a feeling of like because like Diana goes on in that ending about like you know I do this for love and stuff like that yeah and and she, so she represents love and I think where they have Affleck's Batman right now represents kind of uh hate should we say or or fear maybe sure. and 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 Superman I would say represents hope in terms well, yeah, of fe- the the messianic stuff they've done with him sure so fear yeah. fear, fear leads to hate hate leads to suffering <laughs> let's not go come home we did so well for like 20 minutes um so i don't know whether if you you know if you call the uh, you know in the comics they're known as the trinity the the batman superman wonder woman and mm-hmm. then you have love hope and fear and i think that's a nice oh yeah okay. you have those three who represent those separate traits to an extent and it, it probably is overthinking it but um you know if, if someone isn't thinking about those in in how you put them together as elements then they sh- they really should be um 
but yeah, that's that's kind of where I got to with it, and and the the the, the colourful descent into darkness that you lead to, and how you you then ramp that back out of it. That's how you do long form, you know, universe level filmic storytelling. I think. Um, but let's get to the end, the, the end of the, the movie. Um, was actually very very surprised to see them kill off the Chris Pine character. Okay, I, I thought I thought I thought we were going to see you know like a floating. Uh, parachute after uh, after, the, <laughs> after the plane exploded, you know, we're going to see a floating parachute in the distance, and Diana was going to, you know, jump on the motorcycle that he was on, or or something, you know, and they were going to go find him and reunite, and yay! But no, that was that was kind of a that was I suppose that was an, a, a pinch of the darkness that 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 we're leading up to with tying it into the universe that that he actually did sacrifice himself, and I, I was kind of yelling at the screen in my mind because I had people next to me, so doing it out loud is not very polite. Um, just like set the plane and crash it into the sea or something, you know, if it's going to London, it's got to go over the sea. So crash it into the sea and then you'll be fine when you jump out and get rescued by a boat. I think they, yeah, I but think maybe they I was thinking too literally. They try to explain that way in terms of how it's got to go. And I think the idea is he just almost flies it up into the upper atmosphere and then explodes it up there. So yeah. So in theory, it should all burn off rather than if it gets to ground level, it'll right. go somewhere. I think. I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, there was that section when when um, the the guy who we're supposed to think is Ares, the general or whoever he is, yeah. and and uh, plastic face Ludendorff and plastic face doctor were porcelain in the lab. actually. And there's a beautiful porcelain when uh, when Ludendorff touches her just just yeah. on the side of her cheek. It kind of does this like. Like, oh, like nice. it's a really nice part of the sound mix actually. I thought it was really. Oh, I have to check. I have to note, I'll notice that next time, no doubt. But th- th- there's that section where they're looking at the mask in the chamber, and then she presses a button, and it, and it ignites. So you know that 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 gas, if it's if it's inhaled, it's bad, but it can ignite. So. Yeah. What did you make sense. of that? Uh, the scene actually where they where they uh, they go to high command or whatever, and they're, they're negotiating mm-hmm. the armistice, or that you know they're sat there dealing with it, and they just throw in that just gas bomb as one in. gas yeah. mask. And then, yes, and then uh, they close up the doors, and uh, and Doctor Poison goes, but the, the the mask will do nothing, and he's like, mm-hmm. but they don't they know don't that, know that. Just, yeah, <laughs> like, like, yeah, that was that was great. That was like real arch villain stuff. Yeah. I thought that was that was a really nice kind of it, again. It, it was a bit it, it lightened the tone a little bit. Yes, in what is a very dark act, it yeah, made it yeah. kind of like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> well, they I think like they're not afraid like that, and the the. The stuff in the alleyway in London that reminded me of Chris Reeve so much, um, yeah, and uh, and stuff like that. They they they're not afraid to be a bit camp. No, no, and not I think at all. That's nice because even as light as the Marvel stuff is, like sometimes it's too. Um, I don't want to say earnest because Wonder Woman's very earnest, but um, like it, it it's kind of afraid of that, like leaning into that kind of um, pantomime end of comic book sometimes. And yeah. I, I think that this incorporating some elements of that. You know, does it quite well? Even you're right, and even the the the, the lightest of the of the, the Marvel stuff, the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, when it's being serious, it's being serious. Yeah. But this, but Wonder Woman definitely did it. Had a, a, a better way of doing that, I thought, with that sort of tone, where it was almost like a, it could have been a, a movie from the '40s or something. Where, yes. Or, or yeah, I, I, kind of screwball-y. It was. It was fun. Well, Indiana it. Jones kind of. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And that was kind of what I, yeah. I I enjoyed the tone of it in general. I thought it was it was very well, uh, well well set. You know the 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 timbre of it to to sound overly pretentious was was really 
was really good because when it didn't feel like a giant jolt when they moved to like a pitch battle between Ares and Diana. It didn't feel like it was a massive jump in style where it's like, oh, we've got to have the battle. Here's the battle. Mm. Um, it, it, there was a, it was very, very smooth in terms of the transitioning it, 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 between those more comedic moments and the, uh, and the really serious stuff that drove the story. No, yep, I agree. Um, what did you make of them killing off Ludendorff so simply? So, like, because, I mean, if you are on that bit where you think, like, oh, it's probably him that's Ares, then if you're, if you're yeah. on the story they're telling you level then the fact that she just kills him and nothing happens, I thought was really bold. Oh, and yeah, it was. Definitely, yeah. And, yeah. and there was that moment of realisation for her, which I think was really important. That was why that was why they did it so simply, I think, is because they needed to have a mechanism for her to have that moment of understanding and realisation that this is more complicated than I thought it was. Mm. Um, and and also kind of the, the, the Wild Wild West ending, uh, where she lost... <laughs> right! I forgot all about that! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Quick Let's explanation explain. of the Wild Wild West ending is it's the the moment be- before. <laughs> wow, what a what a reference point! Um, it's the moment about like you know just before that. It's the moment that ramps up into the ending of any film where almost there's the lowest point, and um, the the term the Wild Wild West ending comes from my recording of Wild Wild West off TV where I ran out of tape on the VHS tape <laughs> um, just at the point where you think Will Smith's dead. He's captured. Is it the president? I don't know. I think he's Will Smith. Uh, not Will Smith. Uh, Kenneth Branagh has captured the president or uh, Kevin um, Klein's character in his yeah. giant net on his giant robot spider, and he's just stomping <laughs> away. And it looks, it feels like an Click. ending. It's just yeah. kind of like, and that's where it stopped. And it was just kind of like, wow, what a downbeat ending. <laughs> and so, yeah, the Wild Wild West ending of Wonder Woman is her realizing that killing Lutendorf, if uh, thinking she's killed Ares at this point. It is, is has actually not had the result that she expected, and and the world isn't all of, all of a sudden turning good, and people aren't turning away from hating each other. So I think that was that was they needed to have that point. So affording it through the simple simplistic death of Lutendorf, um, who's high on the the glowy face gas, was was definitely uh, a really bold choice and very good. And that was when I expected uh, Doctor Poison to come to be standing there, but then it was. Lupin. It's me, Diana. Um, yeah. yeah. How do I know your name? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I entirely agree. I mean, there is some argument for maybe you could have like lent into the Wild Wild West ending of it and said, like, look, the real world doesn't have an Ares. People are just bad. But I think they do that bit where um, um, Steve Trevor addresses that, and he's like, maybe, maybe everyone isn't, you know good inside them and maybe you know and he says right. something like yeah he says it out loud yeah yeah and, it, and but he says like he, he addresses his own actions in that which is because mm-hmm. to that point in the film i'd had a slight problem with the fact that um like diana's always defensive i think the only person she actually kills is the the guy who killed her oh no the, the guy who kills the first amazon no who does it she grabs that bow and arrow and she gets... No, it's the guy who kills the first Amazon, the one that swings by her, the, the sort of lost uh-huh. innocence moment where, where the bullet just you know goes by in slow motion. And yeah, she and grabs just, the bow and arrow and yeah. then takes that guy out. I think everything she does after that is defensive. Defensive, yeah, I think you're right. Um, I mean, yeah, she beats up a lot of people, but I don't think she actually kills anyone. Um, or at least not the, sni- the sniper? 
but not directly, right? She when she goes into the church and uh, yeah, and the church kind of kills it. the sniper. I think. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to get get like like accountancy about it. It's like, well, technically, I didn't kill the the, the sniper. The church killed the sniper. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the sword killed him. Whereas there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of shots of of Steve Trevor and 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 whatnot just kind of swinging guns and being like bang close up. You know, that's like true. They're, they're they're constantly just shooting people, and I was just mm-hmm. kind of like, wow, okay, this is weird because. You've got pretty much a tone that is, you could show to eight-year-olds and up, but then you've got these these, these sort of close-ups of of your the male shots, hero yeah. guy just shooting people, mm-hmm. and um, and I think you know there, there was that was then addressed when Steve Trevor kind of goes like, but what if I'm part of it or whatever? What you know, like I'm also to blame in this, and I think that's where you lead to the point where he knows that he's going to have to pay the price for the lifestyle he's led to lead to the world that she wants. Right. And um, I always assumed he probably wasn't coming out alive, but um, I assume most of them weren't actually, because you see the photo that kicks it all off in Batman vs Superman. You know, the first time I saw that photo was like, well, that's a good collection of folks. I guess we're going to watch them die in a year because, (laughs) okay. Yeah. You know, the, 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 you can't, where are they? You know, well, I mean, where are they? They'd be, you know, a hundred years old, but, um, I, I guessed most of them were going to die, or, or, or something along those lines, in the film. Not that I wanted them to or anything, but I assume no, they probably but, would. But you make you make a good point, and, and I hadn't thought about the fact that the, the this film, for the most part, you know, with the exception of the, the start and the end, is set during World War One. So yeah. uh, those those characters can't really persist unless you know they they you know somehow given supernatural powers, and or they set a film that's just after World War One. Um, there, there's no chance of seeing Steve Dave uh, fighting <laughs> alongside Batman and Superman in Gotham or Metropolis, you know, because they would be bad. <laughs> Wait so, yeah, for me! Good point. <laughs> he wheels yeah, himself yeah. into battle. <laughs> yeah, spud from Transforming Lord is still, you know, <laughs> um, I mean, there is in Somewhere in the comics, there is a there is a reference to a fountain of youth that exists on Themyscira. So, in theory, that pool Steve Trevor oh, okay. is in could be considered that. So there is there is if you really oh. wanted to fudge it, you could bring him back. But I yeah. I I think I you just think you'd leave him. You know, um, but you could. I mean, it, it depends. Like, okay, so address questions in order. What what? How did you feel about a World War One setting for for the film? I thought it was a great setting. It gave, gave you a built-in um, aesthetic that you could kind of draw draw upon. It's it's easier than than setting than setting it in kind of a more contemporary setting where you've got to make it look like the modern day. I think you've got a very specified look that you can apply to it, and I, th- I think it was was really good and 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 a very aesthetically pleasing as a result because I think that era looked really good. It also kind of makes you think to 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 get a little bit more deep. It makes you think, well, these these supernatural um, superheroes and supervillains don't just inhabit our time. They are often throughout history, and okay. you know that can be used to explain things. So yeah, it's I, I thought it was a, a great setting for it. What were your thoughts? Um, so it uh, quickly add that in the comics, like it's traditionally there's a World War Two origin for for. Uh, uh, Wonder Woman. So, oh, okay. They didn't want to do that because of Captain America, maybe. Well, I think they didn't want to do it because World War One is kind of the last. Um, I don't know what the right word is, but I want to say clean war. So, 
in theory, it was just banks of men on either side led by leaders. Yeah. So, whereas you haven't got a Hitler character. You can't, you can't, there isn't an ingrained narrative that we're used to that says that side is evil. And so you can kind of say that both sides are as bad as each other, which is, I think, what they do say or are trying to get at without drawing criticism from one side or the other. Like, wait, no, we, we were the good sure. guys in that. You don't have good guys and bad guys. You just have entrenched people yeah, who right. are just in this situation for some shit. Yeah, reason. they've been convinced to, to, yeah. to lay their lives on the line for something that they don't necessarily have a full investment in, but because they've been sucked up in the ideology, they're, they're willing to do it. Yeah, which I, I don't think you can do with World, World War II when you've got a Holocaust. No. Not in a kind of, of like teehee, I'm throwing gas in kind of way. No, you it's, definitely it's... can't do that. But going back to the, the, that moment you're talking about where she's taking defensive action and, and, and he's just executing soldiers, it kind of, that's, it's another way of building this, this, this view of Diana's perceived naivety in a way and, um, mm. and Steve Trevor's perceived cynicism and uh and or you know what might might be called as 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 kind of realism or you know re, re, more more kind of um honest aspect but also he's somewhat entrenched and somewhat a victim of Ares in that respect because he's been convinced of of, of the badness you know that the, there's, the, there's there are sides that can be taken to a certain degree not fully but yeah which yeah, is but it's important yeah which is what he admits in, yeah. in that in that you know when he says goodbye mm-hmm. kind of kind of speech like maybe we're not all good maybe i'm not you know and you've got two sides here that don't want to be fighting you know and they, they address that in the uh um what you call it the um the trenches where yes. like, you know they these guys have been here both sides for a year but, and they haven't, yeah they haven't, they haven't moved an inch, inch. yeah and, yeah. um you know there's 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 obviously the the black adder goes forth kind of yeah over the top type thing that, does yeah. exactly what i was thinking of you yeah know, and, Especially as there was a bit of jovial stuff going on in the trenches with them, them being happy to see the chief and that sort of thing. I, I yeah, the chief's was, back. I kind of like that because yeah. it's little nods like that. You just it's like five words, and the chief is back. Four words, and you you add so much like around the frame. You know, you yeah. you, you you just just so few words, but you know that then okay. So these guys know this guy, and he's been here before, and you know. The, the bit of the fireside where they were like, we've got um, British tea for the Germans and German beer for the British. And you're just kind of like, okay, yeah, there's there's so much more happening around this story. And that's, it feels like a fleshed out world because of it. Well, and that, and that actually kind of, I had a thought right before that line was delivered. I was like, they couldn't just march into to, to the trenches. It's non-military people, surely. But you, you think of it and, and, the way war like that is portrayed is that it is, it's just military people in there. And, but I would imagine there must've been like interaction with local people or, uh, you know, others who, who were around at that point. It, it, yeah, but it definitely made, made it feel much more realistic rather than just, Oh, we're walking through some anonymous u- uniformed soldiers right now who are completely yeah. expendable from a story perspective. It was, it was like, Oh, there's actually some integration. There wasn't this separation between the two, which I thought was pretty cool. How do you feel about the, the, the way that the Ares battle looked? Um, that was kind of where it got into the uh, the more traditional, based on the, the four films we've had now, DC mm-hmm. films kind of end battle. Large-scale, dark. Large-scale, dark, yeah. abandoned location, 
Um, well, apart from Man of Steel, but Man of Steel is the reason they have abandoned locations now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, and yeah, so like the battle kind of is what it is. And I, but I by that point the film had so much goodwill with me that like I the, the problems it had post the Ludendorff gamble where it kind of was like mm-hmm. we're going to kill this guy off and switch you know over here. And um, I like the way they introduced Thulis and they did the stuff in the in the tower. Oh, where um, he was kind of moving about and stuff. Yeah, that he was, was kind of cool, wispy yeah. kind of thing, and then yeah. he punches the sword, and the sword just dissolves into his face. That was that was amazing. Yeah. yeah. The only yeah, thing the they're killer, actually yeah. talking about. You are the, the god killer. You are the god killer, Diana. Yeah. I've got a wonderful touch. Um, he looked it, way old by comparison to the the Harry Potter movies, but I suppose they're like what ten, eleven years ago now. The first one was two thousand, so yeah, more than and he was. I think I think he came in to the. I think he, the third yeah. one is when when he's introduced because he had it's the third or fourth. I think I think, fourth, I think it's the. Oh, I was about to say I think it's the third, but I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, but still, you know, well over a decade ago at least. So, uh, but but I thought I thought he was marvelous, and I recognized him from his voice before uh, for, before his face. To be honest with you, because I was like, that's. That's his voice, but it's coming out of an old man. What's going on? It's coming, it's coming uh, out of an old man. Get it. <laughs> but I thought I thought he he did a fabulous job of being decidedly creepy. He does. That's the thing. He did. I mean, in the nineties when he was uh, sort of coming up, shall we say, he was always the kind of like greasy, kind of weirdo kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you know, all through all through those kind of films that he did until now, he's kind of. Like he did the uh, was it just called the lady the Ansang Sang Suu Kyi film where he played twins. Oh, um, I'm saying um, it's a great film. It's weirdly directed by Luc Besson, but it's such a oh. like steady-handed film for Luc Besson to have done. Um, well, compared to Valerian, you know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that should be an episode of this actually. If we, yeah, it really should. I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. Hopefully, I'm not overhyping it in my own brain, but it does look the visual style of it. I had my jaw dropped when I first saw. The, the te- first teaser for it, I thought it looked fantastic. So, uh, but ca- ca- caveat that that I had the same response to Jupiter Ascending. Uh, <laughs> I thought it looked fabulous, and then it was dog shit. Oh, so bad. We, we did summaries at the start, really, but I, I, I thought as a as an as a whole package, it worked really well. Mm. You know, it was it was. Yeah, I thought I thought as a whole, the film was was the best DC film I've seen so far. Okay. Yeah, well, that's uh, definitely true for me as well. Um, I mean, this this has a chance to make my top ten of the year thing, mm-hmm. which is something I do with guys I went to uni with and stuff. We still exchange them, and uh, yeah, I think this this stands a good shot of that. And uh, yeah, I just I I don't know. Like, I can only reiterate that I responded to its like optimism, mm-hmm. and yeah, and the, the fact that it it trod along with a kind of like investment in belief and like what you choose to believe yep. in, and and things like that. Um, which, you know, was like, you know, I believe in love and all that kind of stuff, which is like, yeah, I think goes to the heart of how I feel about it. If she was, if she wasn't, you know, from a mythical island that was cloaked from the outside world and had never had any interaction with it, some of that stuff could have, could have seemed, oh, look at the pathetic woman who's, who who doesn't know how to behave or act or doesn't understand the, the ramifications of what she can do and wants to save everything. It could come off as that. And, and, I, and I suspect that those who, uh, you mentioned that a friend of yours uh, read, a, read a fairly scathing review. And I was trying to think, well, what, what could they really have had to go at? And, and I think if you're sensitive to that sort of thing, or if, if it's a particular bugbear for you, then there could be the potential to read into that into it 
even though I don't think it's there. Um, yeah, no, that that was the Guardian review yes. that was that that came out that was, uh, yeah, was was said it was a horrible misstep, and you know they'd made her a, you know, a naive simple girl and things uh, like I just that. Don't and, that. Yeah, I don't think that was. Uh, I don't. Yeah, no, I don't agree either. And actually, the the I think that one gave it two stars, and then the uh, the Observer, the sister paper on a Sunday, it was re, re not re reviewed, but it was reviewed by someone else for the Guardian, and it gave it four stars. Mm. And 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 I, I think oh, I'm not going to say that's the only negative one, but it's the only negative one I've mm-hmm. seen. And it's uh, yeah, it, it's not true of my experience at all. And uh, and I, I I yeah, I think everything about it is quite deftly handled. It might yeah, I can see why I can see why it might be thought of in that way, but I don't think that her naivety has anything to do with her being. Or her perceived naivety. Because I don't even think it's naivety. I think it's uh, it's fish out of water. It's not that she's incapable or stupid, or she. It's just that she's in an alien situation. It's it, she doesn't yeah. know how to behave in the situation because she wasn't raised in it. You you move her back to Themyscira and she's perfectly fine. And I think it's it's the situation that that makes that. But it's the same same sort of thing with you know if if we had had six weeks worth of footage of, uh, of, of Chris Pine character trying to get on and live at Them- in Themyscira, it would be the same thing because it's, it, he, he's in that situation, the fish out of water, and he isn't able to, he doesn't know the customs or, or the societal norms or the things that we take for granted. And I think that was what they played on um, in Wonder Woman. It was like, well, she doesn't know it's not normal to walk around in armor carrying a, 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 yeah. a, a shield and a sword. It's, you know, because it, 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 it is normal for her. culture clash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's no different than Eddie Murphy showing up in New York and uh, uh, oh, coming to America. <laughs> I had not thought of that, but it's very yeah. True. It's 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 or like Crocodile Dundee or something like that. You know, Another same sort of thing. Yeah, it's very true. And and again, those are. Especially Crocodile Dundee, actually, like relentlessly yeah. optimistic kind of fish out of water stories. Yeah. Um, even with like, uh, I'm going to say 80s New York, but it might have been early 90s by that point. Um, you know, the darkness that comes along with those environments. Yeah. It's actually uh, Crocodile Dundee is a fucking great comparison. Uh, sometimes when they when they, they when when Hollywood portrays strong female characters, they just give them male characteristics, and I don't think that's the way to do it. And I don't think it's the, it's it's the right way to show that <clears throat> women are capable and strong. And I don't think they did that. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, you. How do you feel about a Justice League movie right now? I think the trailer looked like absolute garbage. I. I agree with you until I saw it on IMAX when actually I thought it was really oh, good. Okay. Like, I don't know why, but that scale sort of, I guess it's a Zack Snyder thing. He does scale, but I was kind of, that's the first time I've been slightly impressed by it. I still think there's a lot of random shots in there. The one of the, the, the fo- American football guy running forward in his helmet just does makes no sense with anything that's around nah. it. But, um, there are visuals in it that are quite good, okay. but I'm, I'm, I mean, since Suicide Squad, I mean, I knew I was on board for Wonder Woman from, you know, from her appearance in uh, BVS, mm-hmm. but I'm very much not sold on the rest of this universe, even the Batman ones, which is, you know, I should be... You should be way in for that, absolutely, yeah. I, n- yeah, uh, and I, yeah. Either way, like, for me, I'm not sold on Justice League at all still. Like, it's no. got to stand and fall on its own merits, and and I I feel like it's probably something I'm not going to see right now i just i just feel like everything about the marketing like we were saying is such that like it doesn't it doesn't grab me enough and and 
I'm not on the hook for it. And I, I feel like it's the, the first one of, I think, this era of comic book films I probably won't bother seeing in the cinema, which is in keeping with uh, a lot of the the films this year. I'm just not bothering with the, the ones I don't need to see, sure. like the, the, the Pirates, yeah. Prometheus 2. Transformers 12. Yeah. yeah, I just I just don't need them anymore. No, no. And and in previous years, I would have seen all this stuff. That looks like dog shit. They they saw the trailer for that before Wonder Woman as well. The new Transformers, uh, the, the 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 last night or what it's called, something like that. Um, something. Yeah, the fourth one, the the first one of this new trilogy or whatever you want to call it, or the whatever. Um, just didn't get on with it at all it felt interminable it felt like there was an hour missing from it and it was already three hours long oh shit That's and um, i just yeah i just i'm i don't think i'm going to be bothered with that but if i if i do it'll only be in the imax okay. i think based on that trailer yesterday the one thing i mean going to trailers briefly um i'm so sick of the trailers for spider-man and i i it feels so weird to say yeah that. But I'm just, I got, there was another one in front of the IMAX thing last night, and I thought, oh, here we go again. But it was a new, another new one, and it had even more shit in it that makes me feel like I've now seen 60% of this film in trailers. That's a real problem, isn't it? I mean, but what do you think of the tone? I mean, it seemed, seemed to, the, the, the whole kind of snarky teenager tone thing was, is, is interesting to me. I, I, that is another example where I think that they, they juxtapose the, funny and the serious too solidly you know there's like oh, oh I'm, okay. I'm a snarky teenager oh, i'm holding a the Staten Island ferry together with my webs and it's like ah, man that those and it could just be the way the trailer's cut but you're right it, it it does seem like they give away a hell of a lot i feel like i could i mean maybe we'll do this as an, as a an episode yeah but like i could i could give you the the through line for most of that film mm -hmm. step by step yeah based on the trailers it, the trailers put it out of order but i think i know what order that story goes and how that story goes and what the redemptive arc is like what the narrative of that film is going to be mm -hmm. and it and it's i don't know whether it's just a problem for sony or whether it's just a, a problem out yeah but it feels like marvel have probably made quite a good film mm -hmm. sony need it to be a hit because of you know the, the problems at sony so they're just shitting out this this like this huge like let's throw everything in their marketing like let's make them know Tony Stark's in it let's you know let's give them all sure. the action beats let's, let's get them into the seats by showing them yeah what let's get, get them in there yeah, to do but it but by the same token we're going to be, be like oh no from the trailer oh another bit from the trailer all the way through I think I think there's a bit of a problem with trailers overall um, I, I forget where I spotted it. it's not my thought but there was there was somewhere that I saw people talking about the trailer for um, Murder on the Orient Express and how it was a really good example of how to do a trailer because you know by the title what it's about but it just told you that it told you there's a train there are some characters there's a murder there's a detective that's all you needed to know going into that movie if you'd never heard of it you can get it from the title but if you want if you've got to watch a trailer they didn't give you any more than you needed um, and but but gave you enough it was, I thought it was a great trailer. Actually, we should probably do that as well. Oh, I agree, definitely. Yeah, I think that's. So. I'm I'm way pumped for that. Is, is it November though? It's quite a way off, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's November. <laughs> I feel like I knew when it was coming out, and I thought it was late summer. But, oh, maybe uh, maybe I'm wrong. Give me one second, and third uh, of November. We get we get it third of November. You get it tenth uh, of November. We get it early. Yeah. There. That seems to be a trend. I don't know what's going on with that. We're word of mouth English language. Word I'm of English mouth. language. I, I have words in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs>
So I think that's it for Wonder Woman. I think we've talked to. I think that's probably. Death. I think. Yeah. I think the world has probably had enough of white males talking about Wonder yeah, Woman. I think you're probably right. Piss break, and then we'll pick it up again. Sounds good. This episode is brought to you by Shitbox. You can buy them anywhere. It's it's just a box. Just put some of your shit in a box. You've you've already got too much shit. This week we're also sponsored by Marky Mattress. We only make one Marky Mattress. It's Mark's old mattress. Comes with a unique Mark-shaped dent in it. Get yours today. So I was thinking that the, the, the natural format for this might become we'll talk about something that's culturally relevant and big. Yeah. And then we'll alternate on something we want to talk about. Okay. So like like that. You'll yeah. suggest something, I'll suggest something. Like I kind of suggested the Adam Buxton thing because I wanted your opinion on it because you're um, more eloquent sociopolitically than I am. Um, but I really enjoyed the podcast we're going to talk about. And sure. I, I felt it was weirdly in line with my worldview. Cool. Do you, do you want to give a rundown on, on who Adam Curtis is? So Adam Curtis is a, um, a UK uh, documentary maker, uh, previously uh, a kind of journalist, I suppose you would call him, or I don't know how he'd self-describe, actually. But now he, he refers to himself as a journalist quite yeah? frequently okay. in the podcast, yeah. But he, yeah, a journalist who makes documentaries. Yeah, very much a maker of documentaries. Very, um, I would say, thrust back into the limelight. He did stuff in the 90s, but thrust back into the limelight during like the Bush era when mm-hmm. he did The Power of Nightmares, which was a three-part um, documentary, mainly using voiceover music and... Um, sort of quote-unquote found imagery, which I think mainly comes from the BBC archives. Yeah. And uh, and then sort of weaves these kind of um, perceived narratives out of, uh, what would you call them, different kind of uh, events or... Um, um, like trends. juxtaposition of imagery or... No, I'm talking about what the films are about. So it's a film oh, about... Oh, I see. Okay. It's a film about, say, one thing, but it's it's kind yeah. of like a perception of that thing you know, but it's, over it's, it's, time. It's, sure. But it's, it's, yeah. And, and it's very much social comment commentary from what mm. I can see and, and cards on the table. I, I have never seen an Adam Curtis film. Oh, really? So all okay. I know, no. Uh, well, at least I don't remember having seen one. I may have seen one in the, in the past at certain point, but not that I'm aware of. Um, so all, all that I really know of him has been f- from his conversation with Adam Buxton. Uh, in, Fascinating. In podcast. Okay. So I, 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 one of my concerns about having this conversation is maybe I've got, uh, not not enough information, but I think I I think I was able to gather where he was coming from enough to have a, an intelligent discussion about what what he does. And I deliberately I was thinking about maybe going and looking at what hypernormalization or Bitter Lake or, or or some of his older stuff, just because that's what he talked about um, in preparation for this. But I thought no, because I, I kind of want this to be about the conversation and what he said and his self description of his work. I no, think, I like that. Yeah, is is, is 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 it's valid to talk about, and also his. His his approach to things. That's what I'm really interested in. Is 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 is, is the way he approaches things. And I have a few problems with it, so I'm interested to. This is this is in, good because me of it. Like I said, uh, I I find that it it speaks to a, a worldview I have. Um, maybe not in the way you'd think, actually, but um, we'll okay. get into that in in a way that I don't hear spoken about very often, and I certainly don't hear spoken about in in those kind of terms in a kind of non-judgmental way. Mm-hmm. And and I really appreciated that. And I've actually been like back in my previous days as a kind of uh, current affairs junkie. Like I really liked the Power of Nightmares in 04 or 05 or whatever that one was. 
and I still have a copy of that somewhere around here. And um, I didn't see Bitter Lake, I don't think, or if I did, I can't remember it. That was the I, Afghanistan one, I think. Um, oh, then I did see it. Um, and I saw most of Hypernormalization, but I never actually finished it. Um, okay. And I remember, I remember thinking back in January, I need to go back to that because I started watching it. But then the, the last six to 12 months has been quite turbulent for me. So I've been all over the shop and I... I you would not believe the amount of stuff I have sat on the the pile, the quote unquote pile of media that I need to get to, um, just because I never get time. And um, yeah, so I, I haven't seen all of hypernormalization, but the actual the work for me, although I respect a lot of it, sits to one side of the fact that this conversation made me more of a fan of him and his approach to these things and his outlook and why he does what he does. Um, and it's 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 actually like the only other thing I was speaking to Luke, who I work with on some stuff about it, um, who actually, I think, told me to listen to it. And it, it's the first one for me since um, since Duncan Jones was talking about filmmaking where I've gone. Yes, that's how I feel. That's that's that reflects how I think about things. And it, you don't okay. you don't get that very often. So please go ahead and tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> No, no, I, I, I think I think I'd, I'd rather start by by telling you what I liked about what he said because there, there, it wasn't entirely negative. There, there were definitely some things that he said that I thought were 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 good. I, I particularly like his um, approach to transparency in terms of uh, journalism. So he talks a lot about um, journalism kind of having an agenda, and, he, and I think he even used the words "all journalism is propaganda." Yes, in, in when he was speaking to Adam Buxton. Um, and he uh, and I really appreciate that transparency because I don't think you get it. I don't think you see it a lot in either documentarians or current affairs journalists. I think there's this cloak of objectivity, false objectivity that they wear. Yeah. And um, I, I really appreciate that he is acknowledging of the fact that no, I come from a position and I want to tell you this thing. I, I shape the facts into to, to make you see things from my perspective and to tell you the story in the way that I see it. I think that's, that really raises his stock for me in terms of, of, of honesty. And it, and it, it, it actually, cause that, that when he was talking about that, it was slightly later on in the podcast and it actually kind of built some bridges back up from the stuff that I'd, I'd heard that I didn't just some, some of his communication techniques that I didn't particularly uh, enjoy but and and it was one of the reasons I didn't want to watch his work was because I was like, well, I'm going to watch this with this in mind, and I don't think that and I think that's going to poison what I've heard him talk about. Um, so I think that that the fact that he focuses on on communicating emotion rather than dispassionate fact is a good thing. I think mm. that's required and needed. Um, I think there is definitely too much. He talked about uh, the odierism. I think, which yep. I think is, is is absolutely spot on. Um, uh, the example he used was, oh, another refugee boat, uh, 200 people turned over in the Mediterranean and they all died. Oh, dear. Mm. And, 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 and I think that that sterilization of, of, of like the loss of human life in particular, but also, you know, really scary, unpleasant things um, is, is not a net positive. I think it's a coping strategy for many people, but I think it's gone too far in the other direction. I think we... We kind of see these reports of, uh, and I've got a few friends who kind of mention this on social media fairly frequently, especially around tragic events. You know, there's, and there's, there's no getting away from things like, you know, the, the awful events that happened in London recently and in Manchester are are tragic on 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 their own merits, absolutely. 
but the way they're reported in the West is far different to the way something similar with perhaps many more victims that happened in Cairo or Kabul or uh, Baghdad is reported. And the way people react to it is very different as well. And I think that's part of the sterilization that Adam refers to in that situation where he talks about the refugees in that, oh, it's so far away. And the, and he actually mentions this about um, Bitter Lake as well. He, he says, with traditional documents, deal with this kind of topic they'll use music in a way they'll put some like local music on it which really kind of makes it reinforces the foreignness of it and yes. far and the separation and oh i would never listen to that music it's it might not be a conscious thought but there's a subconscious understanding of that's not my music those aren't my people this isn't my land that's otherness my fight. otherness it, exactly otherness yeah it, yeah pushes it away and so and so from from a kind of hippy dippy perspective this whole the idea of more unification is very appealing to me and i think that uh that the being more cognizant and more uh, concerned about things that happen in remote parts of the world that we may never have or may never will visit um, are still affecting human beings who are living lives just like we are. Um, and, and I think, think getting away from the, that kind of odierism and really actually feeling a connection to, 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 to people who are going through terrible times uh, – or, or good times, you know, either. Having a wider connection with, with those people around the world is a noble goal and a noble aim. And that's, and that's where I really agree with him on, on certain things. I think to get into disagreements, um, the, the first problem I had was uh, he, he tends to be very declarative and a little bit presuppositional. So he'll say, well, that's the way the world is and kind of build from there without having established that. It, it, it's... Uh, so, for example, uh, recently when he talked about the recent elections, so this was so yeah, it was recorded in uh, the tail, so tail end of twenty sixteen when when those big geopolitical events had taken place. Yeah, and released a month, two months ago now. Maybe maybe, maybe six weeks, um, six weeks ago. Adam does like Adam Buxton does like little series yeah. of podcasts, and yeah, he's on a break right now. But uh, oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, right. If, yeah, is yeah, he one... just. Re- there was a spoon one that just was the came spoon out, one, but, the last, but that's the last right. one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, I should say, actually, if you're listening, go and check out Adam Buxton's podcast. It's fabulous. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, he, he's a, he's a, a wonderful chap. I, I have a great, great affection for Adam Buxton. I think he's great. Um, but well, why don't Curtis. you just marry Adam Buxton? <laughs> well, he's got a beard and, all, and, and an actual wife. Um, yeah. So, so, but, but, I don't. I didn't particularly enjoy that side of Adam Curtis's communication, the way he kind of presupposes things and then makes points based on what I would consider to be a foundation of opinion rather than fact. Right. He, I noticed. I noticed he used the word empirical a few times, and that's a it's a big word to use. Mm-hmm. Um, but he kind of betrayed himself in using it. So he's like, well, let's let's look at this empirically. And but then he betrayed himself when he started talking, and this was probably my biggest bugbear with with his perspective on things. Um, his kind of slightly bipolar, schizophrenic attitude toward individualism. Um, he 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 talked about individualism, and then re- he kind of referred to it as not being a natural state. When I I, I think actually empirically. We are the only people who are in our own brains. You know, we're the only people who know our perspective with one hundred percent clarity. 
Um, so I think it's a bit of a rejection of, imperial, of, of empiricism to be saying um, individualism is, and I, don't, I won't say he said individualism is bad, but he definitely has a complicated relationship with the notion of individualism and how it's impacted society. And I don't necessarily agree with the, some of the conclusions he He's can, come to. can I uh, yeah, switch a word out on what I, what I took as what he meant? Because I did respond to a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And the, he kept saying individualism, but what I think, I'm not going to say what I think he meant, but what I think might be swapped out as a word is, is this self-obsession. Narcissism. Narcissism is a, is a better okay. way of putting it. But this kind of, um, uh, and I think he addressed it quite well in that, that there was a, a piece about... Um, how how it becomes very lonely if you're the center of the universe, and sure. um, and I I felt like it was like that kind of um, you know believe in your own bullshit kind of social media thing where you kind yeah. of you put all this out into the world and you, you're kind of trying to live up to this facade you've created, and it does become a kind of narcissism, a kind of self obsession, sure. and like that and individualism became a little bit individualism became a little bit um synonymous somehow in that discussion yeah. and I, I i was i see it a lot in people online and um it's one of the things i i've sort of backed off social media more for is is that kind of uh um illusion aspect of it mm-hmm. and um and i i kind of feel like in the same way he was saying about what you what you believe or whatever and, and going back all the way to wonder woman what you believe um that that was kind of more what he meant the the, the but it, a lot of it just got put under individualism and that's not quite the right word for some of it okay yeah and i, I can i can definitely see that and i and, and i would be a fool to 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 say anything to, to do anything but agree with the notion that we do live in a somewhat narcissistic society and, and that that and social media definitely doesn't help with that. And I think the stuff that they talked about with uh, being trapped in a bubble yeah. and uh, was, was, is very true because I, I, I think that I, I, and we've all been guilty of it in the past, um, but I've actively kind of tried to steer away from that personally and try and actually look at uh, 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 opinions I disagree with and, and start including them in the stream of information that I look at on a daily basis and it has been eye-opening in, in, in many ways because you know I was I feel like in the past I've been trapped in a in a self self-induced bubble where I was just that that echo chamber of of listening to people who were uh, who agreed with me and yeah. uh, it, it, it's it's stunting in, in many ways so I think that's th- those points are, are, are very well taken and, and and I think completely spot on um, I have to kind of uh, I, I don't particularly go with him on things like uh, he talked about the the notion of um, maybe a computer mouse is, and I know he's using it metaphorically, but a, a, the mouse is like a Ouija board and it's right. driving you rather than you're driving it. Uh, I think that's a little too far for me. Um, I, I don't, I don't really ag- agree to, to that certain extent, but, and also as a, a, a bigger topic, um, he talked about this, the, he seems to imbue a bit of nobility in the notion of losing oneself in something in like the greater good or whatever it may be. But 
and he referred to things like you know optimistic political ideologies, which I assume is saying communism without saying communism. And he did he, to, to to give him give him credit. He he actually referred to to you know how horrible it was in in Stalin's Russia, and uh, if you weren't on the right in the right part of it. But then he kind of like backtracked a little bit and said, but you know those people had lost themselves in in the ideology, and that was a good thing. And I, I don't necessarily. I don't think it's it's always a good thing. I think it's a little bit too reductive to set, to, to to kind of make such a bold, wide, overarching statement um, and say it is good or bad. And that's that's somewhere where I've come to in the last few years is 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 trying to stay away from from applying the labels of good or bad to very complex and uh, deeply nuanced political and sociological, ideological, philosophical situations. Agree. And 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 I, 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 I that was a bit of a problem I had, but he, by the same token, kind of, he also talked about uh, political ideologies and, and labels, and and it was toward the end I think where he talked about how, well, if you watched his recent output, you probably couldn't tell whether he was a lefty or a righty, and he doesn't think those labels are useful, and I think that's ever more true. I don't think those labels are. are uh, especially useful because they reduce what is essentially very complex things to simple matters of I agree, I disagree. You know, I'm an R, I'm a D. Yeah, which is again another problem of of the modern age in a way where whether it's the narrative you're being fed or whether yeah. it's um, the way you choose to square stuff away. But it's it's back to the Wonder Woman thing that the the, the war is actually too sides of people and we lose the people in a lot of these things we do a lot of the time. yeah we just we brand them with whatever you know name or even color or whatever we're gonna sure. just like those guys are red guys those guys are blue guys they're you know i'm what the opposite and it's too easy and it's never it that easy and and you know at the end of the day it is just people versus people and the the to slightly counter your what i think he called collectivism um I get the communism argument. I get the fact that you could like buy into, you know, someone's, and I think he made a point about Reagan and Thatcher, but he didn't go back did, as far yeah. as the Nazis, but it was, it was the, it was the narrative that they created, the narrative that they like, you could, here's a narrative. Come along with me. That was, yes, that was kind of what he yes, said. Yeah. Exactly what he said. In fact, um, that you could buy into the wrong narrative and yeah. depending on who's, you know, judging it. And, um, the, the the idea that I again took away from that and the the what the the elements of it I really responded to were it's almost like a, a community thing rather than a it doesn't have to be as big as communism or mm-hmm. um, the Nazi sort of thing or whatever it doesn't have to be that big but just the idea of being more than yourself being part of something greater and being less uh, self obsessed again or self indulgent or whatever and just just being you know whether it's family which was mentioned obviously in the thing mm-hmm. or community locally yeah um and and for me i responded to it in terms of like just from filmmaking and and or 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 like work level teams and just sure. being a bit more into the team thing because i know we we both worked when we worked together um you know we were more into that team than some of our bosses were or some of our other co-workers were Oh, and most certainly to a fault. Um, yeah, a lot of the time, and I kind of think like just taking away that level and, and just thinking like there's something greater than me is not a bad thing a lot of the time. And oh, I, I agree. think it's something we've lost, and and definitely in politics, like I feel like it's something we've lost. 
Um, and and even just on a local level, I think there's a lack of community that is a, is an issue. And that's where I, what I took away from it was that that's something that the the age of shrinking down to just being us is a problem. And uh, no, that's that's definitely that's sure. Yeah, and and I can definitely see that perspective. I think what what it made me think is is. Well, I've heard this rhetoric before, and and the conclusions weren't great. So, mm. I, I th- it's definitely I think a danger all, in the thinking. It's yeah, it's all about degrees as well. I, I think you hear this this phrase, um, you know, lose yourself, and, and well, I don't think we should necessarily completely lose ourselves. I think I think a degree of awareness of something that's greater than us is is a good thing, but I, I but I don't think to to the point of where you're neglecting yourself is is the right way to go no, because at the end of the day groups are made up of individuals and if if those individuals completely lose themselves well there's nothing making up that group anymore and so you've got to have that sure footing of 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 sets of individuals of, of people who kind of have that self-assuredness or or knowledge about themselves to to really ensure that that group continues to be strong otherwise i think it just kind of dribbles off and stops and stops becoming useful i really thought his point about the Occupy thing was was I, I, I'd never heard that perspective on it before. Where he talked about the, and we've all, I think most of us have seen footage of those those meetings that they had, those general assemblies that they had, where it was there was the the, the what did they call it? They called it like the crowd microphone or something like that, um, where everyone had an individual say, and and then the, but one person standing up would say something, and then everybody would repeat it back, and nothing got done. And I think that's oh, the far wow. end. Of, okay, I don't. Yeah. Oh, so I did see that. It's, yeah, I think human microphone. I think that's what they called it, human microphone. If you're curious, check it out on YouTube, and you, you'll, you'll see it. So I will. you've got these people who are saying these kind of like starry-eyed and well-intentioned people who've gone along to think to, to try and change the world, saying saying these things and trying to, to to get things moving, and then they'll say like five words. The the crowd will say it back to them. They'll say like five words. The crowd will say it back to them. And it's heavily regimented, mm. um, and 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 that is kind of the the where I, I I had so his his perspective on it was the individual is being so heavily respected that nothing's getting done, and I actually kind of thought the opposite when I first saw it, and it actually it's made me think, and I'm, I'm I haven't come to a conclusion, so I'm I'm not entirely sure what I think about it right now, but I, I before when I saw it I thought well. The, the the individuals being dissolved because they're all just repeating the words of this person who they might and they might not agree with it but because of the structure they kind of have to you know that mm. those are the rules um and, and i actually thought it was a it was a, a, a watering down of, of the individual and that that the, the, those people were having their voices taken away by having to repeat the voice of the person who was speaking um but i, I think it comes back to the fact that you can human behavior is so utterly complex and informed by so many different perspectives because we are individuals that I, I have a big, a very, very challenging time these days with making overarching statements saying this is this. Uh, I, I think more respect for um, we understand that there are multitudes of different opinions and it's not a or b is the right way forward 
Did you um, feel that he didn't um, didn't espouse that though? That that that, that to, it was very much like this is the way it is. Then because I I kind of felt like he, he was uh, almost saying that the, this is one opinion. No, I, yeah, I don't think he. Of I, men. No, I, I, I think I think so, pro- probably de- due to the fact that he's uh, a, a journalist and and. Has, and is used to kind of having this kind of authoritative voice. Mm. Maybe it was just in the way he said it. I don't necessarily think that he he was being he was saying you know this is the way it is. Aside from a few key examples, like you know um, he said something about how, and he actually backed off on it. So I, 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 it's not the perfect example, but he said when 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 they were talking about uh, Russell Brand and how he'd been on on stage with Russell Brand okay. and uh, he'd kind of taken down his argument uh, about the need for a revolution um Russell Brand and he and Adam kind of went back forward on this Adam Buxton went back for, back and forth on this about how what Russell Brand was saying was um you shouldn't engage politically because it's just reinforcing this system of you get two governments you know it doesn't matter what side they are you kind mm-hmm. of get the same thing um and uh, his his rebuttal to that was, well, at what you've seen recently, and it was talking about the election of Trump and the Brexit vote, was a barely coherent, but um, what he referred to as, and I think it's a, an accurate label, right-wing populism, coalescing to vote in these people, to change, and it's changed the world. And that was a statement I, I took a, a, a bit of an exception to. It was like, it changed the world. Like... Well, I think it. I think there, there was a, a, a shift, but I don't think it necessarily has completely changed the world. Okay. I think. I think. I think there has been a change in the world. Would be a better way of saying it, and you know, it can be made by you know a, a group of people if they if they come together. You know, and and to be fair to me, didn't he didn't apply a value judgment onto whether it was a good or bad thing that they'd come together to to, to make this change. Um, but he, he, yeah, it was it was that kind of like use of very declarative and kind of reductive language that I had a bit of a problem with. But it's interesting to hear your perspective on it as someone who's seen his work and also someone who listened to him, having known him, uh, you know, known his work in the past uh, and known known him outside of this context. Um, to, to kind of, I, I, I think maybe he's more strident with his language than he necessarily means to be. Yeah, and it's I, a habit yeah. of being a documentarian and a, and a journalist. I, I would say that yeah that I it's weird because if you if you listen to his work it's it's probably leans into the aspects you dislike so the way his work goes is that he's usually more da dum da dum about things like he's very to the point yeah and and this was because you know and and these people mm-hmm. did kind of thing so so it, it it probably is more declarative than than you'd you'd like um, and I think I can accept that in, in documentary filmmaking, to be honest, because especially with the fact that he acknowledges that he's coming from a perspective and he's not just it's not the cinema verite where it's where there's there's no commentary and it's just it's just a series of images. Mm-hmm. Is that amazing? The right term for that? Um, to an extent. The, the, those 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 kind of documentaries, I think, are endeavoring. They might not always achieve it, but they're endeavoring to kind of just show something to you. And just like here are some images, and the, sure the way they put it together can tell a story, but here are some images. We're documenting something that's happening in the real world. Whereas I think it sounds like his style of documentary, same as like Louis Theroux or Michael Moore, they're trying to tell a story. 
they are from a perspective. They are not attempting to be objective. Mm. They are showing a subjective view of a certain topic. And the fact that he is completely open about that gives me far more respect for him and makes me want to look at his work more because I'm like, okay, I kind of want to hear what you've got to say about this because you're being honest about the fact that you're not saying, here's some objective fact. You're saying, here's the facts as I see them. And I think yes. there's a big difference between those two. If anything, in the conversation with Adam Buxton, he is much more conversational. He is much more light. And I, I kind of felt, I I kind of knew the kind of person he was a bit more and the way he was talking and the sort of regardless of his maybe professional inclination to be or sound more opinionated he was in fact kind of being quite light for a lot of it um even if it didn't come off that way and that was the way I took it and that okay. was what I responded to and in sounding in the same way I think I do sometimes I think I sound more judgmental than I am by a very wide margin um because there's a degree of humor and opinion behind it but it there's never a um final word kind of thing you know there's always it's always a conversation and I think actually I think that's something we mm-hmm. lost um in a way sure. it's like everyone takes offense quite quickly at opinions my whole thing the last couple of years has been uh you're right no one else is wrong so it doesn't make it's true to what you how you think and feel and how you respond to everything but it doesn't mean that there isn't another opinion to be heard and if anything a lot of the time i'm more interested in hearing other people's opinion than declaring my own yeah and i think that i would definitely agree with that and just to kind of put the flip side on on the the, the that notion of kind of not the the, the narcissism uh, causing that that people to take that strident stand, I think I think the the other side of that is 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 you over identify with a group and just take on the group's opinion without thinking about it. I th- I've, I've, I, yeah, I've seen that a fair amount, and and it, you know I think we're all guilty of it to a certain extent because we're you know, fairly we're a tribal. Um, mammalian species so I think it's 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 a, a part of who we are as, as human beings but I, I think it's um it's an interesting I, I agree about the whole it being everything should be a conversation and I hadn't heard that expression before maybe once before that the you're right everybody else is no Wrong. No, you're <laughs> right no it? one else is wrong <laughs> you're right but so on, yeah. no one else is wrong there you go as I was saying, I was like, "This isn't right." <laughs> but I, I, I feel like I've, I've fallen into that trap a, a lot in, in my younger years of, of, of kind of going, "Well, here's my opinion, and mm. I don't want to hear yours." And I've got and and, and I'm entrenched this entrenching in, in opinion. And I think maybe it's to do with getting older, or you know, uh, just just having a different perspective on things. But I, I feel like. The the, the 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 true wisdom kind of comes in in really realizing yeah. how little you know, and being willing to listen to other people's thoughts on things, um, and and I think I think that that helps enrich us as as people. Uh, I, I don't think that hearing that there's there's a bit of a disease that I've noticed with people who are um, who are very heavily ideological, be it you know politically, religiously, whatever, where they almost see hearing 
opposing opinions as risky in that it's going to it's going to unentrench them in a certain way or okay. it's going to shake their core and and I, i've tried to get away from that because i think that if you are holding an opinion that you think merely hearing a, a, an alternate perspective on it is going to cause you to shake to, to shake your belief in it well, maybe that opinion, that belief needs to be shake, shaken because you're not especially mm. certain in it. And and maybe the case for it isn't super great. So I, I think hearing a, a, I would definitely agree with his his perspective on we need to be um, more open to, to listening to, to other perspectives on things. And the, the notion of black and white thinking and something you, while you were talking before that, that, that it kind of made me think of was, we live in this soundbite mm. culture where where something as complicated as say brexit or um you know getting involved in middle east wars or uh, anything really that that involves millions of different variables and perspectives to really ha- have a full understanding of it and potentially a full understanding of it isn't possible is reduced to these little bit these little ingestible soundbites so that people can take this, this, they can stand on the left, they can stand on the right, they can, or, you know, not, not politically, but they can divide themselves and go, like you said before, mm. I'm blue, you're red. Um, and, and, and I don't think that's really productive. I think we end up getting stuck in a cycle if we do that, where all we're doing is, is and you see it with, with politics as well. Um, I remember one of the first kind of things that made me a bit more cynical about, about the political system was when um, I think it was when Cameron was elected as prime minister and there had been a labor policy and I don't remember what it was, but there'd been like a, one of Gordon Brown's policies um, that he had been dead set against. And then all of a sudden now we're in power, they're all for it. And that just kind of made me think what's going on here. And it wasn't anything major, but it was a perspective that was, was like, well, I don't understand. I don't understand why you are for that when you were previously against it because you haven't made a case for it. You're just saying it is good now because I think about it, and that's where I, that's where I think that that the reduction of individual thought is a dangerous thing because someone who who aligns as a you know Tory or or a Labour you know supporter if they're a real died in the wool kind of party line type person, well, they're going to shift their opinion. I've seen it a little bit over here with, so uh, just to give give folks a background, Utah is a, a heavily red state, very, very Republican majority has been that the, aside from Salt Lake city and um, a part of Eastern Southeastern Utah, which is uh, coal mining. Um, everywhere else is held by Republicans. There's just a couple of Democrats who hold seats here. Um, but during the presidential primaries last year and the year before, um, Donald Trump was, I think he came fourth in the Utah Republican primary. He was not popular here at all. Um, but one, th- one of the ugliest things I've seen since he was elected is those people, some people, and I'm not going to say all, but some people who were uh, very vehemently against Trump 
switching around because he's he's the president and right. he's he's the he's a republican and we've got to give him a chance and all this sort of he's our guy so and, let's get behind exactly our this excuse making exactly and i think that's where i that's that's kind of why one of the reasons that i i had a bit of a negative reaction against uh adam's advocation of 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 kind of like a, a drive toward a more collective perspective because it kind of leads in leads leads you it can lead you down a path of surrendering your own will and 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 compromising values that you've previously espoused yeah so i think that's that's probably where, where I, I had a bit of a problem um i can't quite explain why my takeaway is so different based on the same material but mm-hmm. yeah i i 100 agree with what you've just said about how and why things can be taken and where they can go wrong but it's mm-hmm. almost like not necessarily a move away from individual thought like you were saying but almost a, like a move away from the the over uh self-focused um leading to individual isolation sure i definitely so, agree with that yeah um in the in the way that you kind of you you take these thoughts and i i do respect actually what you're saying about like uh uh, tribalism and stuff and maybe actually this is a dominant like digital tribalism we have you know the echo chamber yeah. and everything is a, just a digital tribalism like we 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 surround ourselves with people who think uh the same as us and that's why you have this this lack of um um acceptance of dissenting thought and things these days but um so which which would become a a, a sort of modern form of collectivism but without the identification somehow sure yeah i don't know i don't know there's actually yeah. there's more there's more to be had of this but well it actually goes back to sorry i'll go you thought i'm sorry no, so, so it goes it, that actually ties into something that that um and another kind of thing that, that they discussed on in, in the podcast was this 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 and, and it was one of the areas where he kind of said that that the individual individualism and the way that he used it was actually it was actually quite a good thing because the internet allowed us to all talk to one another without and and it is it is a form of of, of uh, collectivism uh, or a form of of collect uh, it's a it's a communication medium essentially but it's a way of us connecting that doesn't have uh, someone up top and and that and that's the big distinction between what we might call digital collectivism and societal collectivism put into place by some kind of ideology or political mechanism uh you know th- this 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 kind of democracy of the mass uh, this 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 the the way that people can communicate completely freely without someone above kind of like watching and 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 creating the mechanism for that to, to occur like a is, dig- is like a digital factory owner kind of <laughs> right exactly yeah yeah or dictator or, or whatever um see i uh, and, i kind of slightly think we've sort of um sleepwalked into having that with with facebook and with uh twitter or whatever. oh that's true like yeah. you kind of do actually have like you didn't have this entirely user-generated open source like whatever they used to call was it web 2 kind of platforms you know mm-hmm. like it has become we still run to these kind of hosted environments or whatever you want to call them that yeah. are someone else's like um, sovereign territory, Walled garden, yeah, walled yeah, garden, yeah. sovereign territory, yeah. like whatever. Like someone else owns that platform. Like I have this. Like I am a hundred percent against the whole fake news thing. Yeah, but I also wonder about 
how Facebook choose to tackle it, and then who that says what uh, sorry what that says about what makes it through and what doesn't. Like someone else yeah. then is suddenly controlling what is considered fake news, and anyone controlling any potential outlet of news and opinion worries me. Yeah, and and that and that's actually you know where I, I kind of joked about not being able to go with him with the Ouija board thing. Yeah, um, that started off with quite a valid point in terms of curation of what you see mm. and algorithms curating the things you see based on what you've already seen and 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 I think there's a very valid point in that and that's a, that's another thing you can get trapped in uh, in in an echo chamber as a result of that. Uh, but but I I, I also think that. Um, you, it's not an inevitability, and maybe that's a bit of a problem that I had with with the way he said things. Was there was there was almost this kind of like, well, there was a slippery slope argument a little bit, and you know, it's it, because of the algorithms, it's inevitable that. And Adam Buxton actually pushed back on him a little bit when he was talking about, well, uh, he said something. It's that 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 a certain type of like surrendering yourself to love isn't in the culture anymore. And, and Adam Buxton's pushback was like, well, how do you know? You know, right. and, and, and I understand Adam Curtis's perspective was, well, we don't see it in film. We don't see it in literature. A lot of literature is from the first person internal perspective. And, and I think there's some, some validity to that. But I, I think being, being aware that, there's, that, that platforms like Facebook and Twitter and Insta... Um, <laughs> are curated environments where they are that their main goal particularly facebook their main goal is to sell you to advertisers mm. that's that's the the whole business model and that's why it's you know free um and and also you made made an interesting point that it's someone else's sovereign territory and i've seen that in the past where people have run into uh, what they consider to be free speech issues on platforms like Facebook or Twitter, where they've they've posted someone or someone they know has posted someone and it's been deleted or shut down. Well, one of the things you've got to realize is that this isn't your house. This is this is somebody else's service that you're being permitted to use by a certain set of, of terms. Yeah. And it's not a free speech issue in that respect because you're using someone else's property to, to convey your message. Check your EULA. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But that, I think that's kind of maybe a little bit off, off, off the point. But I, 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 that, that whole, and you see it with the recommendations that you have on, on Facebook. If you use a, a fair amount, you'll see you should like this page because you like this page. Yeah. Um, and they actually, to their, I don't know, it's to their credit, but it's, it's interesting. I know it's YouTube, I think, that do it. It's when they show up their recommendations, um, there's a, there's an option to say, you know, why are you showing this to me? Essentially, there's a button that you can click oh, is there? or okay. menu, menu option that you can say, why is this being recommended to me? And it'll show you the logic behind it. Um, so I remember being, I, I was, there was a certain, there was a, a couple of videos that were recommended to me that I was just like, why am I getting this? This makes no sense. And it's cause I'd watched one video that had a keyword that was related to it. But the video that I watched was actually kind of saying it was a criticism of the, the, I, f- I forget what, what it was, but it was a criticism of whatever was being recommended to me. So it was kind of funny. Interesting. It's you're back to journalism as propaganda, and like these platforms, to an extent, are commercially driven platforms in one way or another. I mean, Twitter doesn't really make money, but um, you know, it's trying to, and it will have to at some point, or yeah. it's going to have to go away. But they're still, you know, it comes back to the the, the journalism thing, and 
like I was always taught consider the source and mm-hmm. you wouldn't believe the amount of people who who say to me like well someone did this or this has done that and isn't it disgusting which is a phrase I absolutely dis- detest um you know when someone says isn't like, it disgusting when people say that isn't it disgusting when people say isn't it disgusting? <laughs> and um but you know and it's it's all like okay so you're you weren't there unless you were you know you weren't there like whose version of events are you basing this on right and why and what was their reason for delivering it to you in some way and this loops all the way back around to your um uh i forget what you called it but like illusion of um um in, independence or illusion of uh objectivism i forget what objectivity you called it. yeah yeah objectivity um not objectivism there's a fine rand yeah sorry yeah they're like that, that and that illusion but it's it's like and i see it more and more now that um the 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 delivery method of a lot of these stories and stuff is so thinly veiled and yeah. you can you can really see the bias leaning through whether it's in the papers or whether it's on television like it it seems to have become less and less um sophisticated in, yeah, in the I think way you're right. I feel like it used to be. And I used to watch a lot more news than I do now. And now I, I feel too. like I understand the mechanics of it more and I'm watching less, but I can see through the mechanics more. And yeah, yeah, you, yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. An example of that that I have was when uh, I got kind of interested in when the Brexit vote was happening. And the only news source I could find that was covering it, you know, in any detail that I could get to online was Sky News. Okay. And you'd think that, that Sky News being a Murdoch company, all of that stuff, would be would, would actually be at least my perspective from the outside because I didn't really have a nuanced view on Brexit and exactly who was supporting what. And I, 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 I think we discussed this before when I, I thought that um, I thought it was quite right down party lines. Like if you're a Tory, you're a pro. If you're a Labour, you're against. And that really wasn't the case. It was a big mixed bag. Mm. Um, but Ad, Adam Bolton, I think, is his name. He's their, their kind of long-time announcer on Sky News, a long-time... Oh, yeah, I know. I know who you mean. Yeah, he was on Have I Got News For You fairly recently. Um, I, I just... I was absolutely shocked at his... the very thin veil between his reporting and his opinion. And you could tell he was being... he was absolutely disgusted by the results that were coming in. And I, I'm not, not to take any kind of position or make you want... take, take one, but he was... he was clearly... he was clearly pro-Remain... Um, and was disgusted by what was happening, but and he was unable to to, to shield that in, in in a significant way. I don't know whether that's because that's a, that was a particularly emotive issue for him, or because like you, I'd had such a long gap between. I used to be, you know, I used to be a news junkie, just like you. I, I, but then I kind of didn't have access, and that was one of the. It was a good thing that I didn't have access to to like twenty four hour news for a while. Because it kind of helped me break free of it a little bit. And I'm mm. wondering whether it seems like every time I've gone back to it, I don't know if there's been a shift in it or in me as to whether I can see, well, you're, you're saying you're objective, but you're really not. Mm. I, I, I've, I've encountered similar sort of thing to you where people really do take, they, they just kind of repeat what they've heard as if it's their own opinion yeah, and take that position. And you can but without generally... considering whose opinion it might be and why it was fed or, to them in or, that way, or even that it might be an opinion, yeah, you know that they're, they're, they're treating oh yeah, it's it suddenly as if... fact, yeah, right, exactly, yeah, which is so, where uh, I fall on uh, 
being more interested in in not questioning but having a conversation on why people believe what they believe yeah and 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 whether or not you can just maybe just nudge them a little bit free of like the reasons why they they blindly believe a lot of things right and without without you know again without hopefully without, without judgment attacking, yeah. yeah without never yeah. attacking but certainly no. um you know a d- just a degree of conversation hopefully and, and some people don't don't take that well at all no um, no i was gonna say it can be it can be a bit of a, a minefield because really if can. they if if they have come to a conclusion a very firm conclusion without doing the work to get there if they've taken on a belief from a parent a respected leader someone in their life or, or you know just from society but that isn't an examined opinion the defenses go up and yes. all of a sudden they, they act like you're attacking them. Even if you're not, even if you're just asking questions about why they might believe what they believe, it is sometimes that the, the firewall will go up and, and the thorns will come out because they're there. They recognize my perspective on it is, I think they recognize the, the fact that they're it's built on a shoddy foundation or they don't know why they believe what they believe. Yep. And the reaction to that is, 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 is defensiveness and, and attack. Yeah, no, yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, I've been guilty of it. I think we've all been guilty of that. We, yeah, all, I mean, that's the thing. We've all held an opinion based on emotion or, or, yeah. or in, incomplete evidence. And, you know, yeah. And that's, again, that's hopefully something that I, I try to impress upon people that I'm not judging them for. I'm curious to see why and how and, you know, where from they ended up at that position. And and mm-hmm. that's what interests me a, a lot more sometimes than raw facts because there's probably more again go go back to Brexit there's probably more people who were holding opinions up than were holding up facts based on the, the yeah. campaigns that were run and how they were run and where they got us and um, you know again it's not it's not personal politics it's just a like long running for me at least it's a long running um interest in in listening to why people uh believe what they believe it kind of reminds me of my, my younger years when when i would we would be in social situations and people would find out that i i don't drink and right. and they kind of almost take it as a as a, a, a like a judgment on them or personal yeah, personal slight it. yeah and it wasn't. It was. It was literally. Well, I, I, the way I tried to reframe it most of the, most of the time for them, well, was think of it this way: you've always got a driver, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, and I was, appreciate it's, the it's... amount of times you've driven me drunk. <laughs> um, but but sorry, to, uh, you, you mentioned something, and I kind of wanted to, to tackle it. To go back to the point of when it, it, it's a, a failing of individualism when people can't, you know, get defensive when they've got opinions that aren't built on a solid ground but it's also a failing of collectivism or 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 groupthink because they've taken on those opinions generally because it's the opinion of their tribe you know so so like take for example where i grew up you know i grew up in in uh mosley in birmingham which is a very new agey kind of hippie-ish type place and people would get very sensitive if you uh, if you talked about, say, orthodox medicine versus you know alternative medicine and that sort of thing, okay. you know, oh, you, you you're taking a paracetamol. What's wrong with you? You know, because it wasn't it wasn't groupthink. It, sorry, it wasn't it wasn't part of that culture's um, 
perspective that that was a good thing. It was it was perceived as being a bad thing, and because that's the man's medicine to keep you right. Dumb exactly. Yeah, yeah right. it's just chemicals, you know, because you know everything isn't just chemicals. Um, but when you would challenge someone on that and say, "But it helps me," you know, I've got a headache. I don't want a headache anymore. Um, they were would struggle to defend their opinion on why taking a uh, pharmaceutical painkiller was a bad thing right. because they hadn't formed that opinion on their own. It was part of the group that they were within. Yeah, they yeah. they had that one line that they'd probably used on you that said paracetamol right. is bad, or, you know, or some variant thereof, and sure. uh, and that's all they had. And so yeah. once you get into that, you get into that awkward kind of. You know, well, why is paracetamol bad? Well, because it is. Yeah, they're yeah. scrabbling for little bits and they're trying to remember maybe what they read, and you know, yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's yeah. it. that is a failing of both the individual and the collective. I think it's 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 an area where it kind of transcends it because the collective hasn't given you the, the mechanism or the ability to defend that position because you've just got it from a soundbite, and the individual hasn't resolved that opinion by look by researching it and looking at facts and actually learning about it. So it's it's kind of just a failing of humanity in a way. Oh wow! And if that's <laughs> <laughs> humans oh, are doomed, if that's where we've got to <laughs> with this several hour discussion, then yeah, maybe only Wonder Woman can save us. Yeah, maybe we need it. we need the Amazonians. Shit, that might be a place to end it. <laughs> Wild Wild West. It was the Wild Wild West ending. <laughs> wild Wild It is the Wild Wild West ending. Excellent. Uh, and as downbeat as an ending as that was, I think, uh, you know, there is... I think there's still light left at the end of the tunnel, if that makes sense. Like, oh, I'm I not completely agree, yeah. No, I'm not, more I, more. I'm, I'm not... No, I mean, I went through a bit of a phase a couple of years ago of being... of really being quite cynical about humanity and just quite misanthropic um and i i yeah i think i think we all well most of us have i think i've come through it a little bit and um you know I, I, not not to be too too kind of starry-eyed but i see amazing things that 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 people in both groups and individuals can do and it really does give me a hope for the future you know that yeah. there's a great deal of unpleasantness in the world but there's also a great deal of incredible, amazing stuff that's going on. You know, I mean, my particular thing at the moment is, um, it's, it's like scientific advance, advancements in astronomy and astrophysics and that sort of thing. So seeing things like the, uh, the James Webb space telescope being built and, and that's going to be sent up in the next couple of years. And some of the pictures coming back from, uh, from, from Saturn and, uh, and, and, uh, and the, the, uh, the probes that are being sent out and even things that are going back, to, to like Hubble's uh, deep field um, imagery that it took, where they, you know, up until I think this happened in either the late nineties or early two thousands. Up until that point, with with this with the Hubble Space Telescope, they they'd taken pictures of things that you could see, stars and planets and that sort of thing. Um, they they kind of had this thought of, well, there's a patch of blank sky there. What happens if we focus the telescope on that and just point at it for a few weeks? And they saw hundreds of galaxies pictures of hundreds of galaxies in this little blank space of 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 uh of of, of space that you know we we saw as a, a patch of black but hubble with its advanced technology and being able to capture that light from 
from that they were able to see these hundreds of galaxies you know with millions of planets and solar systems and it was just like that sort of thing inspires me i love that people are doing that sort of thing just for the sake of it it's pretty cool nice yeah. i mean the only thing and this loops all the way back to the beginning is the, the hans zimmer announcing the other night that the the proceeds of the thursday show and he probably did the same thing on friday because he did two nights um mm-hmm. that the proceeds would go to the grenfell tower um, oh how nice kind of victims uh, fund yeah victims fund okay. whatever, whatever whatever they've called it i forget what they've called it um like and, a I mean, fund of some sort. that got him a standing ovation 11 minutes into the show wow so, um, that's great you know the first time they did they'd done the little intro music and uh the first time he stopped and spoke to the audience, he, you know, he announced that and said, like, you know, he was a Londoner and in many respects, because cool. I think he lives here at least some of the time. Is he and actually German or is he American? He is German. He's German. Okay. Um, I forget where he's from now. He said, but I forget, but he's, Germany. uh, yeah, it's some, yes, that's it. <laughs> um, that he'd been to LA and then he'd settled in London and, you know, and okay. he, he lived here or at least uh, I think one of, at least some of the time lived here. And sure. um, yeah, and it was nice to see him talk about that. And 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 on a wider scope, and that's been the story that's been inescapable here this week, is the the Grenfell Tower thing, and how that has um, reawakened that kind of community element. Yeah, you know, around there with people rushing down there to do things or. You're giving blood, and as I saw a guy, a taxi yeah. driver, who was just like, "I'm going to be here until I'm not needed anymore." And exactly. Yeah, it's lovely to see that sort of thing happen. And that's the kind of thing, like, for me at least, we shouldn't need that kind of disaster to occur. To, I agree. To, to do that, that's that's that kind of community that we need to we need to stop seeing the the division and 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 just you know just see the everyone else is just a person trying to get through yeah. their life, and and you know and try and help them in. In, in that respect, rather than just like these artificial, you know, constructs that are put in place. Balls between us, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's yeah. the thing for me. Um, I'm absolutely with you, yeah. And I think that that, that goes back to what you were saying about um, kind of, and, and it's something that I've been, become intensely aware of in the last in the last couple of years is this this dehumanization that goes on, yeah. where just because someone might think differently believe differently, practice differently, speak differently, look differently from you, that they are different. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's like 0.0001% variance in our DNA across the, the human species. You know, we're, we're much more alike than we are different. Um, it, it's, it's much more important to focus on the things that, that unify us and the things that separate us. It doesn't mean that we can't have lively discussions about disagreements or different, differing opinions. But I think we should always focus on the fact that whoever we're talking to, whatever group that we might be um, a part of uh, or not part of, is still made up of people and people just like us. You know. Uh, yeah, I agree. Being more open-minded is is has to be the goal. Yeah, and, I agree. And 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 blindly buying into anything, whether you see it as good or bad or or anything, is is wrong and and you end up as bad as each other i think yeah and and that's and that's where it's most important to i think focus on 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 understanding on on not dehumanizing the opposition is when it's something you care about 
Mm. So if, if you if you have an issue you really care about and someone is saying I don't agree, it's way easier to fall into the trap of of being like you're wrong and a bad person and not even really a person because you think that mm. it, it, than it is for a non contentious issue or something that you don't necessarily have a particularly strong opinion on about. But if it's your and I think it was Penn and, and Penn and Teller one of their bullshit episodes they it was the recycling episode of of bullshit um, Penn talks about. Uh, an expression, I think it's a Creole or Cajun expression, everybody got a gree-gree. And a gree-gree is this one little thing that you're holding on to that's maybe wrapped in a bunch of irrationality, but you completely buy into. And if anybody talks about it, you know, you that that's a, that's something that you have that's really important to you. Love it. And Exactly, yeah. And so everybody got a gree-gree. So if, if your gree-gree gets attacked, you've really got to kind of focus on not uh, immediately leaping to the position of, of you know, uh, separating yourself from that, that other person and just yeah. listening to what they're saying. On that actually was something we never got into, but the, the Adam Curtis element of the, uh, the climate change argument mm-hmm. was something oh, yeah. else that I actually spoke to me, but let's not get into it. It's okay. Um, long enough. Well, long enough. Long <laughs> enough. Um, next week jokes. Um, <laughs> um, I think we've probably done it to death, done it to death. Sounds good. Well, that was fun, sir. Yeah, let's call it a day. It's probably, probably late as shit over there now. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, 2.40 in the morning. 40. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I'll let you get some sleep, sir. Yeah, it was good to speak to you, sir, and we'll, uh, I'll see you next time.